It's the Breaking Atoms podcast. We break things down to the very last compound. My name is Summit, aka the Potty Mouth of the South. And my name is Chris, aka the Actual Factual. Yes, indeed. And back again with another great interview. Early. Today, early. today, yes, this is this is a freeway team early. I we mean, are, Philadelphia Freeway, we were talking about it on the timeline, like great album. So that's why early. Solid My freeway album. impression is very poor, by the way. Yeah, it but, is very poor. Let's not do that. Yeah, um, great shout album. out to Freeway, shout out to Amir, shout out to whole Rockefeller. That's my... It's family in it. I'm, I'm putting it out there in it. It's family in it. I don't even know anyone in it, but it's family. <laughs> Love you. It's the rock. Big oh, um, <laughs> friend personified, boy. <laughs> right. Today, today, listeners, ladies and gentlemen, we have a really special episode because we have someone that we both respect and someone who is uh, a hip hop head. Much like Chris, because I won't put, I won't give myself that title. I'll just say I love the music. There's levels to uh, it, bro. You're, yeah. you're good. You're good. But uh, we have someone that we both thoroughly respect who has in, who has injected uh, energy and creativity to the podcast game, but has been doing it before podcasts and became popular. And we're talking to to the one and only the person who founded Questions Hip Hop. Can't knock the shuffle on Stony Island Pods. Do you, Sean, hear, do you hear the um? Can't knock the hustle beat in your head. Like, yes, all the time. Yeah. yeah, all the time. Okay, and it's, cool. all, it's, it's not just me. It's not just me, no, right? And it's great right. because it's Hove, and I haven't mentioned Hove for a number of episodes. So Hove, Hove, and guess what, Hove. But you, you know what? Can't knock the hustle, right? I think is in the discussion for one of the greatest opening songs on any hip hop album ever, bro. It's too much, you know. What do you mean? Like one of the greatest opening songs, like first songs, bro, on any album. Like can't knock the Ooh. hustle, bro. It's it's a part of um. Our, our, our lexicon in hip hop can't knock the hustle. Don't yeah, knock no, the hustle, that, that, bro, bro. Can't knock the hustle. Beautiful man. Mary Mary left Earth on that song, bro. No, abs- absolutely. I'm, I I don't disagree. But you know, also Ether's part of the lexicon too. Sorry, Hove. Yeah. Title deal. I saw the title deal just, just saying, fly away, bro. With the wings of the morning, <laughs> like Capleton. You get me? <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, all jokes aside, and back to the episode. Uh, we are talking to someone we thoroughly respect and someone who I feel connects with us from a similar place. Us. Yes, and similar. Uh, he said it. Cloth. Cloth talk, major mm. cloth talk. Mm. Uh, and we get into his journey, um, his transition from from being a musician, which he still is, that you know that doesn't go away, but into kind of full-on production, uh, into Questions Hip Hop, into Can't Knock the Shuffle, um, into his favourite, you know, liner notes, uh, facts. We played a bit of a game. This is a really, really healthy um, episode of just, just solid gems throughout. So really appreciate Sean for his time. Bruv. Nothing more to say, man. Let's let's get this thing started, man. Okay, so this is Sean. Come on, man. Breaking Atoms podcast. Yeah, man. Check it out. It's another special episode of the Breaking Atoms podcast. Today, we have another special one. I sound like DJ Envy. Another special guest. This is really interesting for us because we have a, a writer, a 
podcaster, a musician, a producer, and a hip hop head. It's another version of me, bro. No, he's a better version of you. You know, like wow. you know, like to, you know, you know, the, Black History yeah, Month. Yeah, it's Black History Month, but I'm gonna keep it. Re- <laughs> See, Black History Month is about keeping it real, right? Let's keep uh-huh. it real here. You were Terminator. This is T1000. He's coming for your ass. That's what I'm saying. I just want to say I feel a little uncomfortable at you putting me above him during Black History Month. This feels problematic <laughs> on multiple. My but, guy, my no, guy. All right. Let me not block my blessings here. But let's let's. I'll oh. write it back. <laughs> Jesus. I got I got three days left of love to soak up. Okay. So just let me have these right. last well, three days. Well, speaking of love, we are very glad and honoured to have Sean questions hip hop can't knock the shuffle on the Breaking Atoms podcast. How are you doing, Sean? Hey, I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Big fan of your guys' show. Yeah, we appreciate it. Likewise, I mean, you've um, you've been in the game for a number of years. It hasn't made you an animal yet. Uh, it's definitely some sort of animal, but I think I'm probably an omnivore, maybe even a vegetarian. So I don't know if I'm going to be out there in the wild, you know, going for blood, but uh, I'm, I'm doing okay. Good, good. No, look, genuinely, we we, we, we respect everything you do. You're definitely ahead and uh, everything you've done. We were just saying off air about questions, hip hop. Um, that and verses really got me through things. That and, um, and Pretty Lou's Turn the Tables, he does a... a that's excellent. Those three were just like my things. And when I had a, I, I, when I was up late with my baby, my newborn, that's, those are things I would watch at whenever at any given time. So really appreciate it. Let's, um, let's go kind of right back to the start, uh, and talk about you transitioning from playing, you know, instruments, guitar to full on production. You know, you've worked with the likes of Sia, Kelly Clarkson, Dr. Dre, um, but now you've made the, the switch into production. What was the driver for the switch? I, I sort of learned to play guitar. That was the first instrument that I made music with. And at the time I was in taking just as much popular guitar-based music at the time, as well as hip hop. So I was learning to play my instrument often along to records by A Tribe Called Quest and De La Soul and later the roots uh so i was always sort of interested in that i you know i got a four track tape recorder early on and and eventually saved up to buy a drum machine and started making beats uh as well and just had no idea what i was doing no no clue and i i knew nobody who was like a practitioner of of hip-hop i grew up in south florida don't hold that against me florida uh (laughs) i i i I didn't know anybody who had a sampler. I didn't know anybody who had turntables. So for me, my immersion into music was always instrument-based because that's what I had. And then as I got older, I started to connect in other cities with producers and MCs. And the way that I sort of started to get in was I was the guy that was like, hey, if you, do you need some guitar on this beat? Do you need uh, some keys? I can sort of bring i'd always be the guy who didn't travel light because you'd have an mc show up he doesn't need anything he doesn't even have to bring the mic the mic's there the producer has his laptop i was the guy making several trips to the car like okay let me get the bass and now i'll get the the pedals the effects pedals and things like that so that was sort of my first foray into making music 
and I worked on a lot of more sort of underground things at the time. There's a very healthy uh, underground hip hop scene in Orlando, Florida, which is where I was living. This is about like three to four hours north of where I grew up and uh, a very healthy emerging scene with a lot of connections to uh, the greater hip hop scene at large. And that was where I started really transitioning more into also producing because you, you work with producers enough and you start to see the way that the, uh, the product is made. But I was like, oh, you know, I, I'd like to do that. And, and then that led to me buying an MPC 2000 XL and, and learning sort of in an opposite way. It's funny because a lot of hip hop producers and, and music producers, they start with something more 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 tech and more more sampling and then they learn like theory and things like that i was the opposite i i knew a lot more about music than some of the people that i was working with but i had i still am trying to figure out how to get my drums to you know knock the hardest you know that's it's sort of been a reverse experience for me but yeah that's that's how i got into the production and then i moved out to los angeles seven years ago to quite honestly just try to be a more active participant in music and in media, because that was uh, another thing that I was doing in my time up until making the move. And yeah, I've just been very fortunate to be able to get in on sessions and work on records by artists who, you know, are, are some of the best at what they do. And it's been really cool. Mm, mm. So sticking to the concept of like beginnings and, you know, the start of things, what was the, uh, the idea behind Questions Hip Hop? What was that eureka moment that you thought, aha, this is a good idea and I'm going to do yeah, it? Yeah, so upon moving to uh, L.A., it wasn't too long after that that I connected with DJ Steve Wonder who uh, is my cousin, actually. And we we didn't even actually really know of each other's existence. We're, I think we're actually technically second cousins or, or third cousins, but only vaguely knew that this guy existed, moved out here, connected with him uh, on the recommendation of mutual relatives, and uh, discovered like, oh, wow, not only is do we share similar interests, but he's also a very storied and like a long career DJ, like, you know, been in the game 20 plus years in LA as a DJ. Uh, you know, some of his mixes are, are still held in high regard. He did this Nate Dogg mix uh, years ago that was, people still talk about it. If like, you know, he, he posts something, they'll be like, oh, I love your Nate Dogg mix. So anyway, we were connecting and sort of trying to figure out I, I, to be honest, I don't know exactly what the impetus was, but I think we were just like, wouldn't it be cool if we did a trivia night, but we made it geared towards what we would think would be a great trivia night? Because I've, I've been to a few and I enjoy trivia like vaguely, but it's not something that I like desperately seek out. A lot of times when you see music centric uh, trivia nights or things it sometimes feels a little surface level and it's sort of being uh run by people who maybe are not quite as unhealthily interested in this stuff as we are so it just sort of stemmed from that and we, we've had a few other people you know help us and be part of that brainstorming uh through various incarnations of the idea but we we sort of found ourselves soon enough doing events in los angeles and hosting these very heady uh, hip hop nights, trivia nights. And 
uh, it started to grow from there. Okay. All right. The questions. We might have some questions for you later, actually. I hope so. I've, I've, I've put together some really, really, I mean, nothing in the, in the same format. Uh, as you guys do but speaking of the format how did you guys I guess together develop the concept because doing it you know and live online um, and then changing it for the different mediums how did you develop the concept and and who has got the highest score sure so initially we kind of came up with the bones of the game I think in 2017 or 2018 and we we sort of had to workshop it and it's one of those things we were having like brainstorming sessions and inviting friends over to play the game, you know, privately. And we had a technology that we were using where people could play on their phones uh, in, in these live venues, which was sort of prescient. We, we didn't realize what this was heading towards. Um, and yeah, it was just sort of like trial and error, figuring out how to have a good balance, figuring out what the round categories would be. I think we definitely, if you, anybody who came to like our earliest first games, would probably tell you that we were making it way too hard. And we sort of realized, we sort of realized that it's not necessarily a fun experience to have everybody leaving feeling like, oh, I don't know shit, you know? I know nothing. Yeah, I know that. So it, it's tempering that and also being inclusive of many different facets of what hip hop is because everybody has their blind spots. And I'm not of the mind to say that Gangstar is real hip hop, Migos isn't real hip hop. Like this is all hip hop, you know? And, and it means things to different people. So I get no more joy than when we would do events and have the total raucous backpacker head crowd and then throw a Cardi B question in there. Because I, you know, I think it's a healthy balance to sort of cover all those bases. So, when we made the transition to moving the questions online because of the pandemic, we sort of were at an advantage because we already had the boat built. We'd been doing it and starting to branch out. We had offers to go to other cities in the country. We had offers to go to Atlanta. We had offers to go to the Bay, um, Florida, New York. We had a Brooklyn show booked in New York that was March 20th. And, and the pandemic started really March 13th here. So all of that had to be shelved. But we were able to take that and very quickly pivot to an online format that was more guest centric and having guests. So to answer your question, in the history of the game, we've had three perfect scores on the game, meaning they got all 15 questions right in the guest centric Instagram live game. And those guests are Mr. Len from Company Flow, the producer DJ. Uh, DJ Skiz, who is a DJ and producer who's worked with your old Droog and, uh, and Crime Apple and, and a bunch of kind of newer cats. Um, and then also Headcrack, who is a media, um, he's, he's, a, he's a host, but also an MC and a producer, it's a radio personality. So those are our like three, like the, the top tier players you know just sticking with the whole trivia thing like we have me and my wife we have like um it's an unofficial official like quiz night at our house and we have the hip-hop section as well that's a new addition and sean people get really competitive in quizzes like people will say but you didn't say this and you know you didn't say it that way what i meant was this and like voices get raised I'm, i remember one year neighbors knocked the door like yo keep the noise down what are some of the um 
two questions. What are some of the, uh, the competitive sides of people that you've seen? And secondly, with the questions, what are some of your hip hop blind spots in terms of your, your own knowledge? That's, those are great questions. Um, as far as, as far as competition, there's definitely healthy competition and our guests often want to know, you know, where they rank and, and who else has done it. What I've seen, what's been most interesting, and I'm not going to air out any names, but I've definitely had legendary people who agree to do the show who will DM me or shoot me a message on the days before kind of nervous. And, and they're like, Hey, please don't make me look bad. And what I, what I do try to um, convey to everybody is we're not out, Again, we realized early on, it doesn't really do any good to be like, oh, look at this. This person is an idiot. They don't, they don't know this. So we, we, try to not, we try to not hit blind spots when it comes to the IG show and sort of cater to what they should know, but also flex a little bit, like stretch out the limitations of what they may understand, you know? Um, but... Uh, there's definitely competition there. And the first time, the first official show that we ever did in person before the pandemic, Peanut Butter Wolf came to uh, the game. Uh, we were doing it in Highland Park in Los Angeles. And the Stone's Throw office was actually quite literally a, two doors down, I think. Uh, it, it was on the block of the venue that we were doing it at. So Peanut Butter Wolf and a bunch of the Stone's Throw uh, cats came to our show. And... At the, he stayed to the end and we were talking with him afterwards and he showed us a group text that he was on on his phone and he had been taking screenshots and sending it to this group text that was called rap nerds at the time and he's showing us who was in there and it's Questlove, and it's just blaze and it's dj Premier, and they're all saying what is this i want to play how can i do this so like that was that was sort of a interesting foreshadowing because we've had a lot of those people now on the Instagram show. And from what I understand, that group text is still a thing and they are still currently talking trash to each other about it. And, and quest love, once he did the show, he was like, I'm going to get you Salam Remy. Like, and, and he, he, he's advocating, which is really cool. And he doesn't have to do, and I'm appreciative of it. There's definitely, I think a whole other level of like tournament going on that we're not even aware of <laughs> yeah there's an underworld, underworld. we we did a, a subculture to our subculture <laughs> yeah absolutely it's um it's something that some and i we speak about often and you know you mentioned that people may message you and say oh you know don't make me look bad i think because you know there's so much of uh, our identity in the culture and if we feel that you know we're presented as we don't know enough or we don't know certain things that it affects our perception in the eyes of the listeners and the audience. And secondly, um, there's so much, I think there's a lot of social currency attached to knowing your hip hop. So, you know, oftentimes people say, you don't know this person or you went outside for this and, you know, all, all the different variations of saying you don't know anything. So there's so much, there's so much cultural relevancy and, and, and pride attached to this where, you know, People, you can, you can have some people who want to know everything or you have some people who, who are thirsty for knowledge and they immerse themselves in it. But it's, 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 a, it's a battlefield out there, man. Like I'll have people come up to me like, oh, you breaking atoms, yeah? Have you heard this? And I'll be like, no, nah, I haven't heard it. And they're like, what? And I'm just messing with them. But, you know, just, just an observation from me and something over the years. And also on the flip side, I was thinking about this today, about that 
to kind of piggy bank on what um, Chris was just saying, sometimes and oftentimes the people that are DMing you and saying, hey, don't make me look bad. There's also that thing of they're very scared if they don't know something just because um, they don't want to be perceived as like Chris said. But that pressure also turns off a lot of people. Right. So there's on the flip side, I was thinking about it today, it's like, well, you know, think about there's a lot of uh, clubhouse conversations about the younger generation, older generations. Sometimes that pressure of having to know everything can put off younger listeners off. There are people who definitely are of the culture, want to know everything and have a thirst for knowledge. But there are there are a significant bunch who find that to be a bit of a turnoff because they're like, what if I don't, I don't want to look stupid, especially in the social social media world. So on the flip side, it can be very daunting for a lot of people. And so you've got to, in, in you know, in gangster terms, step in the arena. But a lot of people, <laughs> I like but that. a lot I of like people, that. for them, it's very difficult. They want to enjoy the music, but they also don't want to look bad. And, and there's a balance to be struck about not being too elitist with your knowledge and actually be more embracing. And I think, I think what you guys have got is a perfect balance. But I think generally speaking, hip hop Twitter and and some of the old heads too, they're not very embracing of that. And that I'm just thinking from a from the other side, devil's advocate. Well, bro, remember, Sean, I'll, I'll tell you a story. Like I remember people were listing albums that they liked and loved on Twitter. And I remember I said, I'm going to play a game. And I started listing albums that I love. But I used to slip in the names of albums that didn't exist, like straight made up. And people were like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. That's a dope album. And I'm like, OK. Okay, yeah, we're, we're, we're here. But, you know, not to, not, to, not to drive home a point, there's a lot of social currency and elitism and not knowing, fear of missing out. You put it all into, into this bag and then you'll get a DM before you come on questions. Uh, for me, sorry, go on, go on, Sean. I'm disinterested in any of the elitism. And I, I, just don't, I just don't see that as a healthy... I understand that there's like gatekeeping that is going to happen in any sort of art form or platform but i would i was in a clubhouse the other day and somebody was it was it was a mix of many different people people who were probably in their mid 40s and people who were in their like early 20s and i just never would want to shame somebody who hasn't heard something for any reason i wouldn't want to shame them if they haven't heard it because they were two years old when the record came out and I wouldn't want to shame it because I know for myself, there's records that I have not adequately given attention to. It doesn't mean I won't. It just means I haven't yet. So that I, I don't really get down with that sort of uh, posturing and like, Oh, you gotta, but at the same time, I understand why that exists. And I know that the culture of hip hop, even online has changed when I was, you know, immersing myself in underground hip-hop in the underground scene it was super cutthroat and it you know if you weren't fucking amazing you were getting booed off stage if you weren't if you didn't actually um if you didn't if you didn't portray or if you didn't show that you had given the dedication and effort and energy to learning and really mastering your craft or or at least mastering the ability to seem like you know what you're talking about you were shunned but now we also see like the beat junkies for instance are friends of ours and we've done events at their school think about that for a minute the beat junkies elite turntablists coming from a craft where these guys not just them specifically but everywhere used to take extended measures to protect the information and make sure that you didn't know how they were doing what they were doing 
have a school now where they're teaching people how to be better DJs. And it's amazing. But it just does reflect that sea change of maybe not being as protective of knowledge and being more open to sharing it. And that is what we're doing. We're not with the questions and, and everything that, that I've been doing. It's not about like holding it over people's heads. It's like, let's have fun. And the most ideal episode or the most ideal exchange that we can have is sharing good stories, uh, uh, sharing the experience of being fans together. We're all fans of this stuff. And if we can teach a hip hop legend something that they didn't know, it's amazing. Absolutely. It's uh, it's, I always pull this one out. Edutainment. That's what it is. It's, it's exactly that. And I, I think that's the beautiful thing. I think, I think a lot of people, there are some insecurities that people feel like if I don't know nothing, then I, I need to overcompensate. Uh, but on the flip side, for me, I would just go, hey, there's people like Sean, Just Blazers is an absolute, he's a museum of hip hop him. So he's a walking museum, that guy. Questlove, those are people that we want to learn from, like be open to that. So I, I, I think that's that's well put. Um, we talked about liner notes and I'm a liner note guy. I have records. I love reading through them. And Chris is too. And you are. So, what's your favorite line and note fact that you've discovered that blew your mind? And I can tell you mine before you say yours if you want. Mine was five minutes or ten minutes before we interviewed OC. I had the Jules vinyl in my hand and reading the thank you shout outs and realized that he shouted out DJ Khaled. And I had no friggin' idea. Then when we asked him, it turned this whole story about how Khalid booked him and the juggernauts for a show in Miami. And I think EFM was part of that too. And I had no idea. And I've had that record for God knows how long, decades. Is there a line of note fact that you've discovered that blew your mind that you just didn't know? And what was that? The first one that comes to mind, and we've done this before as a question in an early game, like the live game, and then I think we recycled it again for an Instagram game is that on black on both sides, most Def's first album, Yasin Bey, whatever um, on the song, Umi says arguably the biggest song on the record or most enduring of, of the record. Uh, Will I am from the black eyed peas plays Fender Rhodes on that song. Is that right? And yeah, he's playing yeah. the Rhodes on there. Uh, and it's not like, all you have to do is is look at the liner notes and it's there in plain sight. But, you know, it, I'll be it, right back. You carry on. I've got the, I've got I'm going to get out. You carry on. Pull it out. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, it's one of those things, too, where uh, if it were in present day and I think maybe because liner notes are becoming a bit more antiquated because we have less physical media. If Umi Says came out in 2021, it would probably say, most deaf, Umi Says, featuring Will I Am, you know? That's true. It, yeah. It would, it right. would be that we need to draw attention to that because otherwise it's going to get lost. But there's so many things, you know, as, as you guys were saying, that in the liner notes, you're able to uncover these gems that, again, it's not really, I guess it is and it isn't. Uh, like rare information because it's increasingly the fact that he's going right now to grab the record to, to look. I 
bet you a lot of the people that you're engaging with on Twitter don't have a copy of a record of, of, of most deaf, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Because even someone like myself, I bought my, my apartment, what, four years ago. So it's quite small. It's a modest size. Right. So I can't buy albums the way I used to. Like I've got maybe three, 4,000 CDs still at my mom's place. So I can't just go into the archive and, and, and grab a, a J card from a cassette tape or, or a CD. So now, in terms of my knowledge of liner notes, it's so lacking because I, I buy digital. So I live on Discogs. Like if someone uploads an image of the liner notes, like I'll literally save it to my hard drive just so I can have it at a later date. I, I love me some liner Same. notes. And, and to, to, keep it, to keep it a buck, you know, talking about the music credit things, I'd be lying if I said it doesn't hurt my soul a little bit that I'm now, I've, I've had the good fortune to be able to work on records and, and, and be a contributor, a small contributor to some of these records, knowing that it might be hard for me to even reference it and that 99% of the people who are going to listen to these songs or work, they're never going to see it. <laughs> they're not I like it's 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 funny it's it, but it hurts a little bit that like I sort of worked my whole life to get in the liner notes and I'm in mm-hmm. liner notes but liner notes don't matter anymore they they like to see them I actually have a song on my my new album called the liner notes and it's just a celebration of liner notes I talk about studios engineers graphic designers I I literally break down the process of opening a CD oh. For the first time, and I'm very. I don't even have to hear it. I'm a fan. Oh, I'll send. I'll send it to you. But the best part of it is, I've got Dar Adams doing the intro and the outro, talking about the importance of of uh, of liner notes. But my favorite thing about liner notes is reading the shoutouts because they'll just say some random names, and in my head now it starts to become like the Wire universe. I'm like, who is this person, Dave from the barbershop? Like, do they even know they were shouted out? Like, what do they do? Are they even still alive? You know, all these questions in my head. So yeah, liner notes are a rabbit hole that I fall into often. I was at an event, uh, you know, b- being here in LA and, and, and hanging with, with Steve, who's a native here. And, you know, he, he grew up here. I I've gotten the good fortune of going to events with him and, and always, you know, he he'll see people and he'll know people. Um, and we were at an event that Delicious Vinyl and Delicious Pizza did. Uh, they threw a block party. And I met this guy there who, who they knew each other. And he was like, oh, yeah, this is, uh, this is my friend Terry. Uh, Terry's friends with like me. And like, he's, he's like one of Merce's best friends because um, they all know each other. And I was like, I, my mind instantly went, this isn't a liner note thing, but in 2003, Merce put out an album, The End of the Beginning, on Def Jux, and he's talking about his best friend, Terry. And I just had this moment where, like, I was treating this guy for a split second like I'm meeting, you know, Elvis. I'm just like, you're Terry? Like, I, you don't understand. Like, I, I have the lyrics memorized, and he's talking about you. So I, I'm trying not to embarrass myself when I go out these days, but I'm always <laughs> when, I, when I meet people. No, but it's um, it's it's important because one of the things we do here at Breaking Atoms is that you know one day we were talking and it was like, yep, it's great to get the rappers and the producers on, but who who have the stories? It's the people around them, it's the engineers, it's that random person that was hanging out in the studio that day. So I can imagine if you had an interview with Terry, he could tell you a mm. whole world of stuff uh, about Merz. And I feel I feel um, we call it the ecosystem of hip hop. 
and there's so many different characters playing integral roles absolutely very important um i'm trash by the way i couldn't find the vinyl in time so i'm trash what an anti-climax so, i could i could spend off his headphones I, in the middle I of the don't pod have i don't have everything organized and ordered because i've messed around come on i apologize man. i do sincerely apologize he was digging crates, um, you know he was he was trying but i got i no, i, I no, felt no, like no, I, no. He, he took his headphones off i felt off. like i belonged for a moment yeah you tried to be down and now I just realised that I will never be as cool as Chris and Sean. <laughs> One can try. Sean, let's 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 talk about podcast stuff. Can't knock the shuffle. By the way, I love the idea. I was I was um, talking to my wife just before this interview, and um, I'm going to be honest with you. When I saw the idea, I was hating a bit. I was like, why didn't yeah, he's, he a hater, Sean, he's, he's a hater though? Sean, he's a hater. He's a hater. Just he's a hater. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. You know what? You know you know one of the reasons why we have so many haters. It's because people can't be honest about the hate. Well, no, it's so they hide no, it. No, the reason why we have so many haters is because of you. That's the no, reason. No, 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 no. Let me talk. Let me talk. Oh when I heard the idea, I was like, this is crazy. Because like you say, you let the algorithms determine the interview and you start talking about songs that people don't, and I hate this term, don't, nobody talks about. Anyway, love the idea for the podcast. Talk about how you linked up with Open Mike Eagle and Stony Island. How did that come about? Okay, yeah, so... Open Mike Eagle, uh, he came to one of the live events that we did for the questions. And he started coming to more of them and we just kind of connected and, and started talking to each other more. And he was uh, interested in trying to, just trying to help us grow the questions. We didn't really know what it was gonna be but he was very interested in sort of helping with that. And obviously, again, when the pandemic happened, it sort of threw a wrench into things, but he was then working on his podcast. And I actually, let, 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 me, let me take it back. He, we were initially trying to do the questions as a podcast. Um, and that's something that I think maybe still could happen in the future, but I just couldn't figure out how to make it work like specifically for that format at the time. And he had launched his uh, podcast, the Prince Paul, what had happened was podcast, which I just fell in love with as I can uh, automatically assume you guys did too. And anybody, anybody who's listening to our conversation right now, you already know or you absolutely need to stop what you're doing let this podcast finish finish listening to us talking right now and and then go listen to what it happened was so yeah he he launched that and um was sharing with me that he sort of was in the in the works of of building this network of like-minded shows i had years prior done a written version of can't knock the shuffle with a different name, a, a worse name. I, I don't remember what it was. Um, I think it was just called Catalog Shuffle. And it was for Underground Hip Hop Magazine, uh, which was like the uh, uh, online magazine spinoff of UGHH.com. Uh, and I had done like three, it was like a monthly, not really a column because it was longer than a column, but I, I was basically doing that idea. And, and, and I sort of thought, I was like, oh, you know what? I think that this could work even better as a podcast than that little written piece thing that I was doing. And I basically just asked Mike if he'd be interested and 
he was super supportive and provided not just a home to provide for can't knock the shuffle but a lot of guidance as well and has just been i I need a sounding board you know i i'm very independent when it comes to the work itself but i need to have somebody in the echo chamber and stony island audio is that and then some and hooking up with the dad bod rap pod guys and you know blueprint super duty tough work uh blueprints a, a a guy that i know for years he used to come to florida we used to let we used to basically book tours for him in florida and he would do like uh winter tours escaping the harsh cold of ohio where he's from and come down and you know it's like 80 degrees in december in in florida so it, it was it was great so that's family uh and so it's been really cool to have like a network where i never I never have to feel like what I'm doing is too fringe or too sort of in the cut because that is the that is the podcast network. Dope, dope. I'm a big fan of uh, Super Duty Tough Work. That's my Monday morning ritual. If you're a creative, you know, I don't, I'm going to plug it. If you're a creative, Super Duty Tough Work is dope. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, sticking with the with the podcast, you've had some great guests, Open Heart Eagle being one of them, Blueprint, uh, Slug, Live. Bahamadia, really good guests. Um, but this, you, uh, before I go to the next question, I just want to just state for public praise. You've always been someone who's had really great ideas when it comes to merging rap and hip hop and infusing it in different ways. It's, you know, the same way you went, you know, what what rap rock, rap groups or rappers, if they were rock bands, for example. I kind of do the same with football because it's my passion. I, you know, if, if a footballer was a rapper, who would they be or et cetera, et cetera. So that, that's kind of always been part of you. And I, I love creative like that. That's why I love Can't Not The Shuffle. That's why I love Questions Hip Hop. I'm not a hater like Chris because he hates. I'm not a hater. I just love to see things happen. And I think it's a wonderful thing that's in the ecosystem of rap. For season one, though, of Can't Knock the Shuffle, what was your highlight? The reason why I asked that is because it feels like every, yeah, everything you do, it feels like everything you do is very personal and passionate to you. And that's why I ask about your own highlight. Not that it was any better than anything else. It's more about, you know, at what moment in during the 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 recording of that first season did you just go that's wow that's that's a moment for like for me for example speaking to mike geronimo or oc who's one of my favorite rappers of all time and when i was a blogger i wanted to speak to oc and i never got the chance to him that was like that was a moment for me that's a highlight for me so um it would just be interesting to hear what you think yeah everybody that i've had on the show was not only somebody who i'm who i like their work and i thought that it would be a good episode but I, I personally like their work, you know, like, listen, we've had almost a hundred guests on the questions. There are some of those guests. I'm a super diehard fan. Some of those guests, I know some of the songs and there have even been guests where that they have existed in my blind spot and I have to cram before I have them. And I think that that's going to be the case for anybody who does any kind of media or, or, you know, arm of journalism you know when it comes to that so i was really fortunate that i was basically able to reach out to some of my favorite artists and they were all down to do to do the show so in terms of a personal highlight it's kind of tough to pick one but the last episode that i recorded of the first season was with slug from atmosphere and he was he i I was able to book that one simply because merce reposted 
the Merce episode on Twitter. And it came from like ats in Twitter. Like I think Slug responded to it. And then I responded to Slug. I was like, hey, you should do the show. And he and he was like, DM me. And it, and it happened. And at the end of the interview, which was great. And Slug is so personable. And he's such a he's such a interesting um He's just an interesting mind. He said to me, hey, not for nothing. And, and I didn't put this in the podcast because I thought it was too self-aggrandizing. But I guess I'm going to undo that now by talking about it on another podcast. He said, I enjoyed this. Like, this isn't a backhand compliment, but I enjoyed this way more than I thought I was going to. Like, I, I thought that this was going to be cool whenever I agreed to do it. And I really enjoyed doing it. And like, you know, that's that moment where you feel like you're, you're hip hop soul like you know <laughs> exit your heart and go into the, 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 the you start glowing like carlton in fresh prince when you got the black book see this is why you're the pro here you were able to succinctly you know just pull a reference that's oh that's a carlton black book moment and i'm like the, the heart of the, <laughs> the soul yeah i mean that was that was fantastic and you know when i feel like the reason that i wanted to do can't knock this shuffle was because I get sick of hearing my favorite artists only have to tell the stories behind their favorite, like the, the, the biggest songs, like their big singles. And I really suspect that they feel the same. Like, oh, great. OC is going to answer another question about Time's Up. Haven't told this story before. Yeah, here we go. So the excitement is palatable when uh, or the excitement is 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 definitely in the air when I pull up something and their face lights up and they're talking about a song that, yeah, they may have never talked about this. Sometimes they're like thrown off. They're like, what? Like, I don't, I don't even remember that one, you know? Um, that, that's yeah. for, for me, that's just chef's kiss. No, I can, um, I can, I can definitely relate. And I know what you're talking about. I remember when Summit booked OC and we were conscious of time. And we're like, you know, OC, we started calling him O, like what we knew him for years. We're like, you know what, O? We know, we, know, we know time's running out. And he said, nah, I'm enjoying this. Keep going. So one hour turned into two hours. And I'm just like, when you think about how many interviews he must have done over the years to sit down with two kids from the UK for two hours, said to me that he, he really enjoyed it. So I know exactly what you mean. And I've never said chef's kiss, but I will say it today. Chef's kiss. Insert kiss, so mov- kiss moment. Kiss moment do the kissing sound you can't just say i i'm just going to do jada kiss at verses that's my (laughs) oh the um drunk jada (laughs) i think you're onto something we're gonna retire chef's kiss and we'll say jada's kiss and go that's it yeah that's not bad though that's, that's always what i think but i think now we should we should upgrade it when lockdown's over in the uk to drunk jada drunk jada yeah, that's actually a pretty good Jada Kiss impression. I thought Summit was going to do it, and I was yeah, worried. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't going to do that. But no, you no, saved I, it. I wasn't going to do that. I wouldn't do that to myself. Uh, I, I embarrass myself enough on this podcast. I choose not to do it in front of Sean because he's someone I respect. So I'm not doing that. Okay, I understand. Sean, let's talk about the whole shuffle idea. So, as an artist, you're a musician. I'm going to assume, you know, when it comes to the album listening experience, you know, sequencing. You take it very, very seriously, but there's a there's a discussion and an argument that listening to music in a shuffle or slash playlist format affects the album listening experience. So as a musician and a podcaster whose show is based on shuffle listening to some degree, 
how do you think shuffling and playlisting culture affects the album list album listening uh, experience as a whole if at all it totally undermines it and ruins it <laughs> straight up like that's how i feel now granted i also understand that that is the timeline that we're in so you know i don't feel i don't feel necessarily conflicted about the conceit of can't knock the shuffle because it really is just more of a clever hook to touch a lot of ground rather than just asking, you know, somebody to talk about just the songs from their big album, their biggest album, and then ignoring the others. But when it comes, I don't personally listen to much music on playlists. I do use streaming services, but primarily just to listen to albums in the traditional sense. But, you know, I think it undermines it, but I'm sure that there's somebody who felt that CDs were doing a disservice to the sacred experience of listening to vinyl when CDs came out and, and so on and so forth. I'm really not about being the old man, get off my lawn, you know, type role. I think music's going to serve a different purpose for everybody, but I will say that there's a pretty strong argument with a lot of supporting factors that show that the devaluization of music and the 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 damage not no not the damage the the devaluization of music and just the sort of ethereal nature of it can be totally stemmed to shuffle and and playlist culture that's mm. what i think okay yeah i i feel similarly to you i i listen to playlists to discover music so if i hear something i like then i'll go and listen to the album or the discography but you know we were talking to scott free from loud a couple of weeks ago and he was basically saying like in terms of sequencing because they were so focused on putting together as much quality material as possible so the sequencing wasn't too hard for them and he even challenged me he was like listen to any album i worked on and play it in shuffle it was you'll still have the same feeling but i beg to differ you know you turn on i don't know the score by the Fugees, if it opens up with Mr. Mr., I'd probably be like, mm, it's not the album I know. Do you know what I mean? So um, I'm, I'm kind of stuck in the middle. Like I, I playlists and stuff are good for dis- uh, discoverability, but I'm an album guy and you sound like you are too. So I, I'm all about, I'm all about the sequencing and the, uh, the totality of the listening experience. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and, and you're absolutely right that discovery is something that definitely happens with um with playlists and i could probably stand to do more of that i think that like i i am becoming slowly but surely more washed just by not having you know as much exposure but like i used to work at a record store i used to touch every record that was coming out and i knew what was happening and even if there are records that i've never heard but i could see if i were playing you know the picasso baby version of 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 of, you know from our game the questions I, i could identify records just by seeing little pieces of them because when you see the product it becomes more real for me um, I feel removed from the loop a little bit because I'm not in a record store anymore. And I, you know, the the way that music is released is just different. There's so much. There's so much. And and I I find that I need to I one of my goals always is to give more attention to being an active listener. And that means listening to music for me, it means listening to music 
intently, not while doing six other things. Oh, I'm, you know, listening to this music, but I'm also writing an email and there's, you know, texting here. Um, it's a challenge. And I think it's going to be harder and harder for us and, and not even, it won't even be a challenge for people, younger people, because that's just going to be, this is what it is, you know, but I'm still trying to chase that dragon, you know? Yeah. Music, music now is the backdrop to everything else that's going on. Like I, I get confused when I see people at festivals and it's almost like they're not listening to the music or enjoying the show. They're taking pictures, meeting with friends. And I know that's part of the experience, but as someone who's performed at festivals, you know, you're on stage and someone's taking a selfie in the middle of your song um, with their friends. And it's kind of like, mm, what are you here for? What's going on here? You know, but such I, I used to be the friend that you wouldn't want to go to shows with. Be like, oh, let's go to like this show. Like I'll go. But don't talk to me. <laughs> like, I'm not... Yeah, I'm yeah, that guy. Don't I, talk to me. Also, don't talk to I me. I mean, also, don't talk to me with your hot breath in, in a loud room. That's, you know, big no-no. Just let me enjoy the music. I want to watch EPMD. Shut your mouth. Hush your mouth. Just put your yeah, phone away. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I guess it, it also comes down guy. to the, you know, we saw tapes to CDs, vinyl. And uh, what, what were the, what was the interim? The MIDI tapes? What was the... Mini, mini disc. disc there you go you know yeah we've seen it all we dope. went you know through the blog era which is a precursor to the streaming era you know we've we've seen it all so it, it it all it all depends um sean before i have some trash quiz questions for you because they are really trash um talk to us about some of your favorite b-sides just personal music we just want to shoot the shit about some music your favorite b-sides favorite b-sides um I think so when I I know that B-sides can kind of have two meanings, really, where it could literally just be the B-side to whatever the single is. And it's not yep. even necessarily a rare song. It's just on the B-side. But when I think B-sides, I'm thinking of like the non-album tracks, the the rarities. They were often literally the B-sides. So I think for me, um the first one that comes to mind, B-side wise, is uh, I was Undisputed Champs by Del the Funky Homo Sapien. I believe that that was a B-side. I think it was on um, one of the twelve inches from um, the first album, and it was also on the um, the compilation that Electra pulled out. So yeah, I think it, it was. I'm pretty it was sure the it was Undisputed Champs by Del the Funky Homo Sapien. It featured Pep Love, Yep, Cairo, and, and Q-Tip. And yeah, I believe it, it was on the best of, but it was a B-side to, I want to say it was maybe uh, No Need for Alarm era. I don't know if it was the first album because it doesn't sound, uh, again, I wish I had the information better on hand here, but it definitely sounds, you could yeah, be right. it doesn't sound like the, you know, sort of parliament, you know, G-funky. True. Um, that's the first one to me uh, that comes to mind. But honestly, when I think of B-sides, I'm not even thinking about hip hop, like, because I also used to be into a lot of 90s bands and I used to go, you know, and you guys probably have similar. Well, actually, you guys are in the UK, so maybe you have a different experience. From the, but, you know, I was a huge fan of Nirvana and uh, they would put out singles on CD, but the import singles yes. from the UK, those always had the bonus Correct. songs on them. We had the same. So I... You know, I was like a, a teenager going to, you know, the mall CD store. I was spending $20 on a CD that had 
the big single that I'd already played out and a B-side that I didn't even know it's going to be good or not. And I, I mean, it just seems so archaic at this point, but like a lot of those nineties rock bands, you know, they, there was gold in, in those non yeah, no, tracks. That was the same here and also in other territories. So they would be, um, there'll be bonus tracks that would be issued in Japan, in India, um, even in, in Latin America, there'd be, you know, specific songs sung in Spanish that you only get in that territory. So yeah, we're definitely familiar with that. Definitely. I just, I just did a check. So undisputed champs was on the 12 inch to okay. wrong place, which is no need for alarm era. There it is. Yeah. That, that's, I just love that. Um, and actually all of those like sort of B sides from that era, which were, uh, captured on that Electra best of that, that, uh, Dell put out. Well, Hyro have Hyro have some of the best B sides. Oh my ever. god! Yeah, and all like the the stuff with like the, yeah. the hissy tape sounds and like you know you're downloading them or, or buying them. Like it sounded, it technically sounded like shit, but it uh, it was so dope that you were able to forgive some of the lo-fi. I guess they were the the, the early adopters of lo-fi. They were. <laughs> You, yeah, you could you you could argue that the um the high row oldies are definitely, I mean, if someone could find the master tapes and mix and master them, you know, I'd, I'd pay top dollar. But you know, make do with what we have, and it, you know, it's a it's a moment in and time, moment. and it's about the feel, and the and the experience. I think, but it's a it's a shame because a lot of those high row B sides they're not even available on streaming services. So if you don't have the CDs or the twelve inches, it's yeah. it's, it's a done deal for you. Yeah, I still keep a very healthy MP3 collection, so. Whenever somebody bemoans that, like most devs, the ecstatic isn't on streaming or, or, you know, any of these classic, you know, and, and terrible exclusions, I was like, ah, oh, that sucks. Not for me. Though. I've yeah, got the CD. Like, I, I'm going to listen to it whenever I want. Or like, yeah, it is. It. I understand that that, that uh, it's ostensibly a. a, a tragedy that De La Soul's catalog yeah. is not available for streaming because other people are not going to be able to discover it and, and it will get lost in the sauce so to say but personally my intake of De La has not been affected through the you know the decades that I've been a fan of their music I'm still listening to it with just as much access yeah I think that's also um one of the uh, the byproducts of the streaming era is that if something's not available on streaming people don't necessarily do the extra work to go and find it, whether that's YouTube or buying a hard copy. And the point you mentioned about Daylight is, yeah, you know, we all have the albums. So if I want to listen to Stakes is High, I can just go into my music library. But I'm seriously concerned and I'm frightened that Daylight Soul has literally missed the streaming revolution. And there's a generation of fans who may never discover Daylight Soul because it's not on streaming services. And that makes me really, really, really sad. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I don't mean to be flippant about it. Obviously I'm uh, selfishly, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm fine. It doesn't matter. But when you- No, do that. I do that all the time. I got it. Yes. It's up to you lot. In the work spirit of inclusion, Chris, work it out. <laughs> no, I mean, I look, th- th- that is, it's, it's a strong <laughs> nah, point. Man, you might um, work it out. But obviously with COVID, Della would st- De La Soul would still be touring. So they would always, they wouldn't have the same volume because streaming service is so, it's in your hand, it's there. But there would be people still discovering De La Soul on festivals and, and their show is so incredible that you could not want, not you couldn't not be 
a De La Soul fan after seeing them live. They are one of the best ever to perform live, period. So there is that, but that's that. But yeah, I, I, I do hope they work that out. Um, uh, yes, yes, I do. Sean, let, let's, let's, talk, let's, let's have some really, let's, let's, let's have some quiz questions. Right. I've only got three. Right. I am so fucking nervous. About- don't be, don't be, don't be. Because what I will do is I will re-record this bit and say, Chris, here's some quiz questions. And just do a whole switcheroo like George Costanza. Um, my co-host is a fool. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. This is true. Like like our listeners don't know my voice. Come on no, now. No, but I'll, I'll, you know, post-production, you could do anything nowadays. AI, AI, come on now. All right. All right. Let's start. Let's start with, uh, let's start with an easy one, right? I... I have uh, changed the name of an album title with synonyms. So right, it says al- a rap album synonym. All the words are kind of synonym. Can you guess the actual album? Make a fortune or die in the attempt. <laughs> that would be 50 Cent's breakthrough record, Get Rich or Die Trying. Ding, 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 ding. You would be correct. Okay. What was the name of the graffiti crew that Cool Herc used to run with back in the Dizzle? Cool Herc graffiti crew. Ooh, wait. Uh, the it wasn't. Uh, is it the X Vandals? You would be correct. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, we need Jesus. we need a we need a bell sound effect. That that bell effect is pathetic, bro. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 why I say that. So that's a point where I take it out of post. You know what I'm saying? And then put a bell sign there. That's for me. Oh, mental no, note. No. I don't think that this thing works without your bell sound. You take the bell sound out that you just made. Don't, I think- don't tell him that, Sean. Don't don't <laughs> don't tell him that, Sean. Don't 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 gas him. That's a term we use here in the UK. Don't gas him. Okay. No, we have no gas out here too. I'm just saying, yes, you, you could totally strip this segment of its heart and soul, but why would you do that? Keep the bell sounding. Exactly. exactly. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. All right. Final question. The government name, I'm going to give you a government name of a rapper. You've mm. got to guess the rapper name. Mm. What rapper is named Richard Martin Lloyd Walters? Richard Martin Lloyd Walters. I know every other government name apart from this one. We actually have had a round that we did in our live games uh, where it was all based on identifying the rapper by their government names, which is fun. But I I don't know this one. Let me know if you want to tap out. I guess I I have to tap out because I just literally don't know the answer. I mean, I could... It's the ruler. The ruler's back. Oh, oh, Ricky, Ricky. Rick, Rick. Ricky. Rick, Richard. Yeah, yeah. Ricky. That's how they get you. I, All right, see, I learned something today. That's good. I, I had to, because I would have put Ricky and then that would have given it away. So I had to go yes. with, you know. Richard Walters Richard. there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Only his birth certificate knows that. You were, you were a fun sport. Thank you yeah. for playing this game of Summit Does Trash Hip Hop Questions. <laughs> Can we insert some um, round of applause? Yeah, or we could do that. We could do that. Right here. Sean, that was excellent. Thank you. Thank you. This is this is very informative. It's um, as I said, 
we're big fans of yours. You're you're filling a void and providing value, which is why people love what you do and everything you do. Whether it's can't not the shuffle, whether it's questions, and that's important in the ecosystem of hip hop today. And so, from me and Chris, we appreciate you, we love you, and we salute you, and we'll always support you because that needs to happen more. We need to we need to hold up each other as much as possible for great ideas like that. Cause I've, I've, I've had enough with all these trash shit that's happening out there. This is excellent. This is a okay, great, he's, he's, he, he's off on one. He's off on this one. This is a great idea and I'm fed up he's off. of you journalists, podcasters, here we go. Singers, rappers, A&Rs thinking that you know everything. I don't care what it says in your bio. Look at Sean, look at the ideas that he springs to life. That should be your inspiration. Can I add something as well, Sean? In the, in the in the praise department, I I get particularly irked because I feel a lot of the uh, the hip hop music conversation, particularly online, it's very surface level. I have this thing where I say low low level conversation equals high engagement. But what I love about Can't Up the Shuffle, what you've done, you've taken a very simple and fun idea and you managed to extract the depth from the story. That's not easy. And for someone who is as hard to please, snobby and elitist as I am, kudos. And I think we should collaborate on a UK version of Can't Knock the Shuffle with UK hip hop albums. I'm putting it out there. Breaking Atoms, I Can't Knock the Shuffle. So we should do that. that. And I'm super down. Like we, yes, we should talk about that. Well, I appreciate the praise and, and the, the kind words from you guys. Uh, I'm a big fan of your guys' show as well. And it feels good to get that validation from other people again in that community. And Chris, I can promise you that no matter how critical or snobby you might feel your standards are, there's no one who is more critical of my work than the person who is speaking right now, saying these words to you. So if, if I'm able to get it past the Sean litmus test, you guys are going to be fine with it. Okay. I hear you. I hear you. But no, kudos, man. And big up, big up to your, 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 just everything you do, it's it's fun and it's um you're needed. So you know we support you. Whatever you need, you just let Appreciate us know. It. Thank you guys. Thank you. Peace, brother. Peace. Much love to Sean. Man, it's good. I love. Listen, the lo- the the beautiful thing about this is we discover great people. That was fun on the long the way. That was a lot. That was a lot of fun. Sean is uh he's someone. I said this I think about Mike Geronimo too. He's right. definitely someone I could hang with outside of podcasting stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, I, nice I, I agree, and I, th- and I think that's the beautiful thing. And and I like to, I said this to Sean, I, I like to book people that I feel would fit our synergy. And that's me to say that I wouldn't want to interview someone that wouldn't fit our energy. But I think it's, I think it's very important that we show that there is a community of us from around the world. Yeah, no, you're you're so, you're, you're, you're dope for that. So no, thank you for um, you know, thank you for doing that. Sean's a good example. Sean's a good example. Big Haas is a good example. You know, people of the community of, of hip hop and rap who love this as much as we do. Um, and it's very important that we amplify those voices mm-hmm. and, and we progress together. So I want to shout you out for your um your shirt today, bro. It's an improvement. Sorry? Your shirt. My shirt's yeah, an, it's improvement. an improvement. It's still. It's a it's a dad shirt still. Yeah, but it's it's got the little Oxford shirt ting one and you know the, the dark navy. I see you, bruv. I salute, I salute hey, your, your Northern Line shirt. Man, man, man upped his wardrobe game still. I got to the Central Line shirt, didn't I? Yeah, bruv, that's Central Line. I got a new nickname for you as well, a new alias. Go on. Summit the failed Homo sapien. 
Yeah, that, that's gonna be. I've been calling myself the failed Homo sapien. Yeah. You know, what? I might start rocking with that, bro. You are the failed Homo sapien, bro. You I am failed the failed humanity, bro. No, I am. Listen, deep. listen. That's if deep. if that's if deep. you want to go into the dictionary and see Homo sapien and failed, my face would be there um, on both accounts. That's how trash I am. Nah, don't, don't, it's, be, be kind to yourself, innit? No, I am. I just say that just for just just for the sake of it. I know who I am. I know. I know. I'm comfortable. Failed Homo sapien, bruv. Yeah, you it's know what? Because you, you keep saying Homo sapien, I keep thinking of Dell the funky Homo sapien. But you're not Dell, and you're definitely not funky. So we need we need to insert something else in there. Okay, you know? fine, fine. I mean, Sean thought I was funky. Sean thought I was like, funky, he, but what, you know, because Sean plays the guitar and said you're funky. Like, that's yeah, because he said that, and you know why? Because he got the reference in it. He got the reference. All right, you can have that. <laughs> no, um, that. this yeah, on it genuinely. Um, check out questions hip hop on IG. Um, hopefully, when lockdown is over and if people can go outside, they can do the live show again. That would be excellent. Um, and also make sure you check out when uh, season two of Can't Knock the Shuffle goes out. Also, all the other podcasts on Sony Arnie Pods. You know, appreciate you guys. You know, we got we got a lot of love from the guys over there. So yeah, Dad Pod, Rap Pod. Yeah. Um, Super Duty Tough Work I said it, it's one of my favourite podcasts And I'll big up to all the people over there Making it happen Yes yes Big up uh, Open Mike Eagle too So yes As always you can follow us on social At Break the Atoms Twitter Instagram and Facebook Chris's personal is At I Am Kinetic Mine is at Hip Hop Chronicle We love you We appreciate Clubhouse. you Clubhouse Clubhouse Ah fuck the chatty house You know what Fuck the socials There we go I'm bringing that back <laughs> Fuck the socials Sorry for everyone Who just heard me swear Very loudly um, But yeah Fuck the socials So ignorant yes. So 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 ignorant You know what Speaking of ignorant Right I want everyone And this is my last Hove thing Before we rock out Go listen To ignorant shit And the verse That Hove put on Ignorant shit Bro that in, whole song's amazing In Yeah the whole song's amazing But that That has been Stuck in my head all friggin' day. Okay. They're all actors doing errors and practice. Bro, you know that part of the um the sample? Mm-hmm. Like, this is why it's not always the sample you use, and I'm not a producer, but it's not always the sample you use. It's 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 or the record, it's the part of the song that you use. And the mm. part that just Blaze used, crazy. Crazy that, to me. Listen, that crazy that, that verse has just been stuck in my head. Um, and I'm gonna go listen to it. Has it aged well? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel. That's something that irks me before I go. I want to say this. Go on. There seems to be this fascination about songs that age well. Has it aged well? And my response to that is, when something is timeless, it doesn't have to age because it will always be cool. And I think this thing about aging well is a byproduct of our cultural fascination with always wanting to seem young or being the no. And that's just my personal opinion. I'm not saying I'm right, I'm wrong. I feel we're devaluing the critique of music by reducing it, well, did it age well? There's other things to consider. That's and just cancel me. Com- and and cancel that. culture, add to that too, because people want to go, did this age well, so we have to cancel it or not? Yeah, add I mean, too. I've said it before. Music is before its time, of its time, and ahead of its time. It shouldn't just come down to, well, has it aged well? That fascination with age and youth, it's, it's, it's quite unhealthy. And it's something I want to address when I have more insight and I'm able to articulate it a lot more clearly. I want to be really ignorant there, but I'm not going to. Black History Month, you can't. You've got to relax. You've got three no, days. No, not, not to you or anyone. Like, just generally to those people that 
have that fascination, but I don't want to be facetious. No, you know what, bro? I'm not even saying I'm right. I could be totally wrong. No, it's I just, It's just an observation and I'm no, open to discussing this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not a shot at anyone in particular. It's just something I keep seeing. Has it aged well? Has it aged well? But guess what? Marvin Gaye, what's going on? What are you going to... Has it aged well? No, I'm still listening yeah, to no. it today. It's always uh, cool. Honestly, and all, all jokes aside, I think some of it is because of the newfound information and the newfound knowledge that we're gaining every day. And and, and actually, if I'm... Let's be serious for a second, Sumit. Let's be serious for a second, Sumit. It's... A lot of us are checking our own privilege and a lot of us are checking ourselves to go hold a minute we supported something without realizing what it was and now we've because of conversations because of the internet because of social media because we are re-examining our existence and how we deal with each other it's one of the first things that we think about it's like tv shows we didn't we didn't realize that friends for example had very little if any people of color but a lot of people enjoy that show who are people of color me too, me being and, one of them. Right, right, right. Exactly. But at that point, we didn't think of it like that. But now in the way in which society has changed, and for the better, I might add, not for people of colour because they're still being persecuted and oppressed. That's not the thing I'm saying. I'm saying in the sense that we are because we have there's more allyship and there's more people rallying behind the causes that people have been going through for 50, 60, hundreds, hundreds of years. And so some of that is rooted in that. Right where we're going, hold on a minute. We we didn't see it from that perspective before. Mm. Our eyes have now opened. Did this age well? Yeah, right? and and based on what you've just said, I listened to the second NWA album a few months ago, and the second half of that album, in terms of the content, is so misogynistic. Like I'm listening to it in 2020 and 2021, and it's a really uncomfortable listen for yeah. me. The production yeah. is amazing. I think it's up there with Dre's best work. But right, you know, right, subject-wise, it's a bit... It makes me feel uncomfortable. I'm, I'm more talking about, you know, like you and I will sit down and talk about music and say, oh, you know, I, I like this bar or this sample or I like the way the drums were mixed. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm just getting a bit frustrated that the quality of a song nowadays in terms of the discussion seems to just fall on, well, did it? age well oh okay so i i guess what you mean is is around the 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 output of the song in terms of musicality as opposed to a specific bar or what they were saying yeah and what you just said you know that does that does play into the decisions that's ignore that now because that's not i think i misconstrued what you were saying i understand what you're saying right i got it some of that is just people are bored though um, they want to re-examine, you know, the drum hair or the sample hair, and they're just bored. Enjoy it for what it is. Music's about discovery, and sometimes music. Well, you've heard a song for a long time. It's like you go listen to Rakim, and I'm I guarantee you'll hear a you'll hear a bar that you didn't hear, or you might hear it in a different way because just on that day you heard it in a different manner. Mm. Right. So music is like that. Not all music is timeless, of course. Uh, Soldier Boy, tell him, um, but. There is a there is a lot that is, and so I think we just gotta. I, I think I think now I understand what you're saying. A lot of people just need to. They're bored, bro, and they want to generate conversation because they've got nothing to talk about. I also think some people don't know how to critique music. They don't, and it's not about having the technical knowledge. But I feel people struggle with just the simple concept of saying, "I like this, and I don't like this," because. Is, it, is, is that the reason why they always say cadence? 
What are you talking about? When people talk about critiquing songs, they always talk about a rapper's cadence. Yeah, yeah, that's one of them. Or you know what's the word? Oh, it's it's cohesive or sonically. Like, for example, I'll have people come up to me and say, "Chris, you need to watch this Netflix show." I'll be like, "Okay, what's it about? Why do you think I'd like it? Just watch it, fam. Tell me what you like about it." Yeah. And they struggle doing that and i'm like i can't spend 12 hours watching a whole series just because you said so yeah i I, look i'm i i won't profess to be able to analyze music as well as someone else like sean for example because he's a musician but i remember when um that meek mill album came out championships Mm -hmm. the championships i remember listening to it and i I text guru and i said listen man i I love the way you mixed the album because the way in which you allowed his his voice to cut through with the drums, the bass and the beat, that was incredible because that's not an easy thing to do because sometimes Meek's voice gets lost if it's not mixed or engineered correctly. That's probably as far as my, I guess, my critique would go. But I wouldn't just say it's sonically cohesive or I loved Meek's cadence on that. I, I try to, I try sometimes, I'm still learning about how to analyse rap songs and, and, and music and, and rhyming patterns and all that, but... There's, but some of that comes with knowledge and, and seeking that knowledge I have nothing more to say really thank you thank you thank you is that a mic drop moment or you just didn't give a shit a bit of both it's just something <laughs> it's a it's just something that's been on it's been on my mind for a while but I don't want to come across like I'm the judgmental font of all knowledge and you know no it's I get just, it I it's get, just look, it's a it's a bugbear of mine I, I get it look man we 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 got a we just we just got to move and, and and enjoy the music for what it is for us and yeah sometimes we, music is it's just it's literally just music it's music just, and, just I, enjoy. and I think but sometimes because we have so much access to people's opinions not all of them are going to be correct and sometimes it comes across your timeline or your or your eyesight and it might bug you but you just got to go i enjoy it for what i enjoy it for um and if it's not constructive move away if it is constructive, engage if you want, but that's it. Just keep moving. Music is personal. It's it's a personal experience to a lot of people. Um, and everyone just wants to look cool, man. And who cares? You know, fuck the socials. Fuck your coolness. You know, this is Breaking Atoms. We love you. Until next week. Peace. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>